620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And a good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Sports Cage here on the Almighty 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, this is Brendan McGuire coming at you along with Pete Pasco. Hello. From the Corner Century Studio. And we've got Nick Ketchmer putting us on the air this afternoon. Sadly, we are going to talk some rider football. And we're going to. Sadly is the right word, I guess. You were at the game Saturday? Yeah. That was pure torture. That was ugly. I, I showed up. So excited to do like do my writing for three down and sit up in the press box. Yep. And as I'm walking in, everybody was just so gloomy. Like uh, Joel Gasson, who I do some writing with, he was mm-hmm. my chauffeur to mm-hmm. the game. And he says, Kadeem Carey's going to run for 200 yards tonight and they're going <gasps> to get destroyed. And we're walking up and you look at the pregame party, which is usually a good time. There's people there happy, having a good time. More like a wake. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And and you as before the game even started, you realized no, Mason Fine is not going to emerge. This is not going to be his night. This is not going to be the start of a great story. No, this is just going to be what everybody expects it to be, and that's what it was. So you know the worst part, fans in general. When I was walking around the concourse and on my way up to the press box, nobody's angry. That passed like th- three, four, five weeks ago. Now they've just resigned themselves to the fact the riders aren't very good. And there's this general sense of apathy or people are making fun of the team. So neither of those are good for ticket sales. You know, I, I've been a big fan and listener of CKRM radio for about 30 years. And when it first started, the early 90s, mm-hmm. and Jeff Courier was on this station. You and bet. he had a great line that I will never forget. Mm-hmm. He said, when the fans are angry, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because they still care. They're still passionate. You bet. It's when they stop caring that you've got a problem. I don't think we're there. We're, we're definitely not there. He, was, he wasn't even talking about the Riders. He was talking about Ottawa because mm-hmm. uh, their franchise was always in danger of folding. It eventually did. Now True. it's back and okay for now. For now. And, but, but that's such a good line because mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, with the Montreal Expos when the 94 strike took away the World Series. Fans were angry. Yep. When they traded Pedro Martinez for a bag of chips mm-hmm. three years later, Everybody just stopped caring, mm-hmm. and eventually it disappeared. So you must never let it get to that. Apathy is bad. Coming up here on the Sports Cage, we're going to hear from SJHL President Kyle McIntyre, Saskatchewan curling legend Michelle Inglot, Scott McCauley, the coach, is going to help us tee up the Thunder game on Sunday. Newly Sunday announced Coach of the Year in the PFC for the second year in a row. Very exciting, and they're trying to break, I don't want to say the curse, but sledgehammer through yeah. the wall against the Saskatoon Hilltops. They haven't been able to beat that wall down. We thought they would last year. They swept them in the regular season, went undefeated, mm-hmm. but couldn't beat them in the championship game. So, And in fact, mm-hmm. our very own Daniela Ponticelli will be on the TV broadcast for that game Well, on Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. Very cool. Access. Folks can get out there, do it. And Charleston Hughes, we're going to hear from him. And also Crystal Stews, the Director of Rider Marketing with details on the Grey Cup festival so lots to get to and you can chime in too. Uh, call in at 306-936-6262 and of course it is our text line again same number 306-936-6262 and the text line is powered by capital gmc buick cadillac saskatchewan's number one gm 
dealership. Okay. Were you an SJHL fan? You came to Saskatchewan. You never did follow the SJ, ever, mm-hmm. did you? Because you, you skipped that part of it. Correct. Okay. I, I broadcast games for the Esteban Bruins, mm-hmm. and for years, my password, to not anymore because I've had to change all my password, mm-hmm. had a reference to Bruins or something because it just sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't watch, I don't watch every SJHL game anymore, but I do check the scores and I do check in with uh, some people like Jamie Nugabauer, who's Mm -hmm. been a regular on this program. And earlier this week, Ballsy caught up with SJHL President Kyle McIntyre. We'll listen to that right now. All right, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline on the Sports Cage on this Friday. And I'll tell you what, we're talking with the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre. Kyle, North Battleford first in the SJHL and the Canadian Junior Hockey League. Tell me about that. Well, I'll tell you what, they got a real wagon there this year. Uh, they got the leading goal center in our league, Josh Kodai, who has a goals against average of one uh, Jake Sutherland is leading the scoring race in the league right now from Battleford. And, you know, they got four lines that can just come at anybody and they can play any sort of game. And right now they're at top of the SGHL and the CJHL. Yeah, talk about uh, uh, Cade uh, Runke uh, leading the scoring race for Esteban. That's another guy to watch. Yeah, you know what? He's got a hot stick right now, and though Esteban is probably playing about 500 hockey, the most consistent guy in their lineup is Kate Runke, and everything he's touching is going into that, and he's going to have a real good year and should have lots of schools having a look at him. All right, as you, as most commissioners in most leagues, they love to have parity in their league, and it looks like, at least from the outside, you guys got a log jam from like 7 to 12. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what? The only teams that are really kind of in separating themselves are the Battle for North Stars and the Humble Broncos and, and maybe Flint Flon and LaRange is starting to break away a bit. But from 7 to 12, it's an absolute logjam. And, you know, it's a great thing for a commissioner when you have parity in your league. But I'm sure it gives the coaches and general managers absolute gray hairs and, and fits of madness. <laughs> but not the commissioner. Uh, uh, Braden Klamosko is, uh, is uh, getting some accolades. Tell me about that. Yeah, so you know what, he's uh, he's been coached here twice in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, and he's a guy who's leading North Battleford on to victory, and he's getting an opportunity coming up here in December, the World Junior A Challenge in Cornwall, Ontario, and he's been chosen to be part of the Team West uh, coaching staff, and, and that's a real feather in his cap, and this is a guy that is not going to be in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League for long. And are you happy about that? Well, you know what? Uh, we are a league that's about development. We try to develop our players, our officials, our coaches, our media folks. So, you know what? I'm happy for him. If he's uh, going to move on to the next level, you're never going to hold back a good person. Now, listen, uh, this isn't meant to be a cut down. I was in the SJHL, okay? Where does the North Battleford or the Battleford Stars franchise rank in terms of, you know, popularity, awareness. I, I know you talked about their accolades right now. I, I liken them to the Buffalo Sabers of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. You don't, you don't like them. You don't hate them. They're just there. Well, I will tell you what. You know what? Uh, I would, if you ask me, uh, who I'd want my own child to play for, it would be Brad Clamasto. And, and I think that you know he has a real positive rapport with players and has a positive rapport with all the coaches. And you cannot find a person that says a bad word about him. And so certainly uh, that would, that kind of what makes the North Stars stand above uh, some of the other teams, right? And so you know what? Uh, you might think of them as the uh, Buffalo Sabers, but. 
you look at Don Granado right now and where he's got those Sabres going, and uh, Braden Clamasco has got the North Stars going in the same direction. Look at that. Nice commissioner move there. I love that one, man. Nice uh, nice shift uh, with your uh, terminology there and your way of thinking. I love the, t- the, the way you took the reporter down a different lane. Kyle McIntyre joining us here on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline for a couple of more uh, minutes. Okay, uh, looking at, uh, we talk about putting the puck in the net, but uh, how about Josh Cotel with a 1.44 goals against average? Yeah, you know what? Uh, this guy is, uh, speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, he's kind of like a Darren Pupa eh? or a Tom Barrasso. He's a right-handed <laughs> goalie, and he's a, he's a big kid. And, you know, he takes up a lot of the net. And he was not even penciled in to be the starter of the North Stars this year. And uh, they had a little bit of an injury bug, and he has really stepped up. And, you know what? He's like an absolute brick wall, this guy. Like, for a big man, he moves very well. He's very confident. And when he's in the net, his team is uh, certainly playing uh, outside of their weight class. Now, is this a controversial topic? Hockey Canada mandating face masks by December 15th. Well, it's not very popular with uh, many of the players and with the commissioner of the SGHL. But, but I mean, the, the challenge is how can you argue with uh, player safety, Michael? Uh, I think the thing that is the most challenging for us is that uh, the CGHL commissioners have kind of proposed or proposed some compromises in, in terms of how things are going to be implemented and some timelines uh, over which things should be implemented. And, and uh, Hockey Canada, the, the board that's on its way out, uh, they really didn't consult with us, didn't have any discussions. So a little bit disappointing with the, the process. And, and I don't think it'll be a matter of uh, if, it'll be a matter of when. And, and we kind of felt that next season, uh, starting up in the year, uh, would be the logical time to implement it because we're anticipating we're probably going to have some supply chain issues and, and all sorts of things that are going to come out of having a mid-year implementation of the rule. Yeah. Okay. My my only thing with that, and I've always had an issue with this, especially at the NHL level. Okay, when you're a young kid and you're coming up, you have to wear a face mask. Then all of a sudden, you get to junior, and it's like, oh, it restricts me. I call BS on that. Like, and especially in the NHL, if I'm making twelve million bucks a year, I'm protecting everything I can. Yeah, and you know what? Like, uh, when you think about when you transition out of junior or university hockey. And you go back to playing in the men's beer league, and everyone has to get up for work. Um, you probably don't have the same dental insurance, and, and certainly you don't get another set of eyes. So you can certainly see why Hockey Canada, in terms of risk management, uh, is moving in this direction. And, and you know what? When a lot of our kids transition to go play down in uh, U.S. colleges, NCAA Div, Div 1 or Div 3, you have to wear a face mask again. So what we were thinking would happen, though, is that uh, the players coming out of our 18U AAA league would, would continue to wear those masks until they got to be 18 years of age, and then they would sign an informed consent or a waiver. Uh, but but I don't think that's going to be taken into consideration by Hockey Canada. The great commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre, and somehow I'm not shocked. The outgoing board, not very... Uh, not very smart with some of their dealings. Real shocker. Uh, thanks for your time, Kyle. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Michael. You take care. Ballsy doesn't sound very excited about the face mask mandate from Hockey Canada. We'll talk more about that after the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on 620. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the Sports Cage. Brendan McGuire alongside Pete Pasco and Nick Ketchmer getting you all caught up on the sports world going into a very 
busy weekend, especially a football weekend. Yeah. We've got the Rams playing tomorrow sure against uh, the U of Manitoba. Yep. Larry Doby. I know my good pal Justin Duncantown to help on the television broadcast. And by the way, you can listen to that broadcast on the internet on CKRM. Two, mm-hmm. And that'll be a 2 o'clock kickoff tomorrow afternoon. I know we're all very excited about that. A team that might actually win something this year. A team in green that calls Regina home that might win something. We, we had Vincent Donaldson, the defensive backs coach with the U of R Rams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, played 10 years with the Rough Riders. Solid defensive back. He played for Nick Saban at Michigan State. Wow, that's right. But I told him, I said, I'm excited about your Rams. He says, you should be excited about my Rams. Absolutely. And there's, there's two reasons why I'm excited about the Rams. Well, for Vincent, mm-hmm. but also uh, Pelche, this quarterback. Noah, yep. Who nobody has heard of. I, I have. Like. You have, but I'm saying outside of like the casual uh, listener, viewer. Well, he was not tabbed to be the starter this year, that's for sure. Josh Donnelly was going to come in and be the starter, but injuries prevented that from happening. Noah stepped right in and... Really, for a first-year guy, looks pretty good. You ever think of the potential that we could have had this fall mm-hmm. for Regina sports? You're hosting the Grey Cup. Yep. The Riders had started 4-1. and one. Yep. The Rams are overachieving. Yep. Sort of making up for how badly the Riders have underachieved. Mm. And the Thunder are having the year that they're having. Very true. And Connor Bedard is here. Wow. Like, have we? Have you ever had a fall with so much potential, and a whole bunch of that has gone to waste already with the Rough Riders, true, and the kerfuffle over the Pats ticket prices, mm. which CTV did a big story on. Yeah, a comparison piece on uh, how much it'll cost you to go to a WHL game in all the rinks in Saskatchewan and uh, Regina, near the top in terms of price, actually at the top in most categories. You know, I, I want to sympathize. I think they were right to keep Connor Bedard, number one. Yep. Because I, I feel like as someone in Regina, I desperately want to be able to say that I saw him play once. Mm-hmm. We want to get the selfie with my 19-month-old daughter and Connor Bedard down nice. at ice level. You don't just throw that away. Like a lot of people are saying they should have just got rid of him at the start of the season. And mm-hmm. I totally disagreed with that. And then with the rise in ticket prices, mm-hmm. they really couldn't get rid of him. No. And I feel like they can't get rid of them till after Christmas, even if they wanted to. I, I sympathize with any enterprise owner who is losing money, and I have no doubt in my mind mm. that the Regina Pats have lost a lot of money. Oh, I believe that. Through the pandemic and even since then. But I think that they're also learning that running a business is one thing, running a sports franchise is completely another. Big difference. I mean, I hate to oversimplify it, but... Just win, baby. Al Davis had it right years ago. I I mean, you can have all the promotions you want going on. You can have all the cool stuff in the concourse. But if your team's not very good, people aren't going to come. Are you, are you surprised that the big name hasn't drawn more people out to the arena? I actually am. Um, I don't know what the issue is. Maybe the fact that the Pats themselves as a team aren't at or near the top of the league standings. But Connor Bedard's worth the price of admission. And... If I had to bet, I'd say he's not coming back after the World Juniors. I'd say that's a pretty good bet. Mm -hmm. I got to do the opening night broadcast against Moose Jaw, which is a big thrill for me. Sure. Because, well, anytime you get to do a pad game, that's a big thrill. But Mm -hmm. with Connor Bedard playing, he didn't put up any points. Mm -hmm. But holy moly, does everything change when he's on the ice? Oh, it's true. I like fans sit up and pay more attention. Uh, The other team obviously pays a lot of attention. The, The kid can dominate a game. You can chime in, too, 
on the text line at 306-936-6262. Again, 306-936-6262. Powered by Capital GMC, Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Okay, uh, time to do the Nick's Service Sports, cl- or I should say Sports Cage Clutch Performance. Boy, that was a mouthful. That's a I'd lot. Even, I'd even rehearsed it before. Uh-oh. And for this one, I just did a quick look, and I'm a Canuck fan. They've mm-hmm. been off to a really poor start. Yep. And they pulled out a 5-4 win over the Seattle Kraken last night, and they got two points from Connor Garland. Goal and an assist. Hmm. The Sports Cage Clutch Performer, brought to you by Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. You had a great line about this Connor. Well, yeah. They better be careful if the Canucks keep winning. This Connor scoring goals is going to cost them the other Connor that we were just talking about. They probably don't want... I, how many teams are going to tank for Connor Bedard, do you think, by the time the NHL season's over? Lots. I'd say a few. Chicago's well on their way. And I'm not... Well, I, I'm not trying to compliment Connor Bedard, although he's a great talent. Mm-hmm. I think it has more to do with just the system. Mm-hmm. I think you have a flawed system mm-hmm. that encourages tanking. Yeah, it certainly does at the NHL level. Who knows? Pittsburgh may find a way to get the first overall pick. They've done it before. But, you know, one thing that does give me appreciation against this whole tanking argument, mm. I remember a lot of people said that the Toronto Raptors should tank when Masai Ujiri took over. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, nah, we can make a tweak here, a tweak there. And he did, I think, three, four trades mm. within two months of taking over. Mm-hmm. And they were good. They were relevant. And yep. he built from there. Yeah, was smart. And we've seen other teams who have tried to tank, mm-hmm. Buffalo mm-hmm. in the NHL, Edmonton. <laughs> Yep. And just and and don't let that run fool you. Just because they got to the conference final doesn't mean that their all their woes from the past Mm-mm. are gone. We're finding out that Jack Campbell might not be the uh, second coming of Jacques Vezina. You don't you don't build a championship organization by tanking. That's my point. I think there's uh, a little bit of sports karma that comes into effect there. Especially if you consistently do it and consistently get top draft picks, the hockey gods or the football gods look down upon you and say, we can't reward that. It has to happen with the timing. Pittsburgh has had perfect timing. Yeah. When they've dropped to Mario Lemieux's done. Well, we'll just add the Sidney Crosby kid. He seems pretty good. And that worked out okay. They tanked a little bit. And the one season before they got Mario Lemieux, you might remember when mm-hmm. uh, or TSN did one of their documentaries, TSN Originals, and... They figured it out. There was this goalie who came up from the minors who won, I think, three, four games in a row, and they sent him back down to the minors. <laughs> yeah, we don't like so, that around here. So I say tanking doesn't work unless you're Pittsburgh. Unless you're Pittsburgh. We'll be back with more. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is The Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Back on the sports cage, Brendan McGuire, Pete Pasco, and Nick Ketchmer taking you through this Friday afternoon. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from the coach, Scott McCauley of the Regina Thunder, to tee up this weekend's Prairie Football Conference Championship game coming up at Mosaic Stadium. The Hilltops have won the last seven PFC titles in a row, mm-hmm. and the Thunder last winning it in 2013, the last time Regina hosted the Great Cup. So also the last time somebody other than Saskatoon won the PFC, so... 
History can repeat itself. That'd be fine. You know, I was glad when, even after they beat the Thunder, Mm -hmm. and they lost to, I think it was Vancouver Island, some team on Vancouver Island last year in the semifinal, and I was glad, not that I'm anti-Hilltop, it's just, I don't think that's good for anybody when the same team wins. Oh, that's true. Year after year, year after year after Mm -hmm. year. So, they lost three games this year. First time that's happened since 1993. And that's back when... The Regina Rams were our junior football team around here. And, and the Hilltops weren't winning every year. Just saying. Last year, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. And on that note, we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline to hear from John the Habs fan. John, where, have you, where are you calling from? Regina. Okay, John in Regina. Thank you for clarifying. Go ahead. You know, guys, uh, listen to the, you guys talk about Connor Bedard. I was talking with a couple of the clowns here that were... Uh, telling me that Adam Fantilli is a better player than him because he's got 15 points in six games. I told the guy, I laughed at him, I said, Fantilli couldn't tape Bedard's stick on his best day. Hmm. I think that's an incredibly small sample size to draw a conclusion on an athlete. 15 points in six six games? Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, you look at Bedard's numbers, you know, they're just crazy. And, uh, I mean, he's, he is what he is. He's the best player in the world at his age, and there's nobody close. But Art got off and, to his... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And, of course, you, you know, I know one of you guys are a Canucks fan. I'm a Hab fan, and I hope, for selfish reasons, we get him. Hmm. Well, a lot of people are predicting that, or we're predicting it at the start of the season. It's hey, if Carey Price doesn't come back, Habs have the inside track, I think. Well, I, I would like it, because he'd be the best player to head since Guy Lafleur. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not that I'm old enough to remember seeing Guy Lafleur on the ice, but just the really. Way. Oh, it was something. Well, well, Daryl Sutter was well, out. I did. Yeah, and Daryl Sutter played against Guy Lafleur, and he told a great story right when he passed away. He hmm. was—I don't know if he was a rookie, but he was a really young with, player with the Chicago Blackhawks. And he said, "My job on the wing was to focus on Lafleur." Hmm. He said, "At the end of the night, they said I did a great job because we won seven-six, and Guy only had three goals and two assists." <laughs> Shut him right down. <laughs> but he said, but, but they asked who, who today reminds you of him. He said the other Connor, Connor McDavid, just so, so dynamic. Yeah, so I think, I think yeah. you raise a good point, uh, John. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Okay. John the Haps fan wants Montreal to tank. He didn't quite say that. I'm putting words in his mouth, but he wants him to get Connor Bedard. And I'm so tempted to talk trash to Habs fans, but ever since the playoffs of two years ago, I cannot. Didn't work. Oh, what is your team? Who is your team? Leafs. Ah. Yeah, I get that a lot. Pete's in no position to trash talk. We have the reigning Hart Trophy winner who's got one. Oh, no, I guess he's got a couple now on the year. Earlier this week, Ballsy did some curling talk with Saskatchewan curling legend Michelle Inglot about the future of the sport. We'll listen to that right now. Hey, we're in a curling season, and I'll tell you what, you got to catch up with one of the legends, Michelle Englod, joining me in the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. So work is busy. Does that does curling give you a break from work or vice versa, or are they both busy worlds right now? 
They're both uh, fairly busy worlds right now. I'm I'm not curling a ton this year, so just playing in a few women's events in the province and playing some mixed doubles with my son. So that's that's always fun as well. Okay, you buried the lead. You and I have been talking, and I'm not going to say I'm not, I'm never going to pretend that I'm a curling expert. I like the game, but you're playing with your son. T- tell me how cool that is. <laughs> You know what? It's it's uh, a lot of fun. He's uh, he just took up the game five years ago. He had you know watched me so much over the years, and and then uh, fell in love with the game uh, after he quit playing hockey. And so now he, you know he's he goes out and and actually he's getting better every game almost. Like it's pretty impressive. I think you know it's, it just goes to show you that you can uh, if you are somewhat athletic you. Can can pick up curling, you know, in a little bit of time anyway. <laughs> you, so do you guys have the mother-son, maybe you had the mother-son fight back in the house when he wouldn't make his bed or something, didn't clean up the dishes? <laughs> do we have the mother-son fight on the ice? You know, we we have a pretty good dynamic on the ice, so we're fortunate that way. We did uh, get into one little squabble last year when uh, we were playing in provincials, and we had time clocks, and I was you know yelling at him to hurry up because I don't like being in a time crunching game. So, so that was really our <laughs> only fight. Other than that, we get along pretty well. Wait, sorry, what's his name? Derek. It's like it's like when you're trying to rush him off to school, right? Come on, Derek. You got the bus is gonna go. We gotta get going. Let's go. That's hilarious. I love it. So you sent me a text there when I was trying to line this up for a while. You said you had played seven games in forty eight hours. What are you doing? I know this. That's uh, what you get into when you play in the Sask uh, curling tour events because you know people voted or the curlers voted to to you know, have games start late Friday and be done Sunday because people didn't want to. It's it's the people who can't afford to take the time off work mm-hmm. to do the World Curling Tour events that play in these events. And so, yeah, you get into, uh, and that was, we would have, uh, we lost in the, in the semifinal. We would have had one more game if we would have won the semifinals. So it, you just get your back to a wall and, and it's just ridiculous. Basically, you spend the entire weekend on the ice. So we have another one starting Friday at five in Mooshaw this weekend. So hopefully we take the easier route than putting <laughs> ourselves, you know, back in the, back in the sea where you need to play a bunch of games. Yeah, well, I saw at the Ryder Plaza of Honor dinner, you look close to 30, but obviously you're not because you and I are in the same uh, age bracket. How, how, how long did it take you to recover from that? And second part to that question is, what keeps you curling competitively like, like this after, after all these years? You know, uh, I, I just love the game. And so, you know, it's something that I just haven't been able to, to t- entirely step away from it. And, you know, I find that as long as I'm in fairly decent shape that, you know, and my, I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had knee issues or hip issues or anything like that, that a lot of curlers experience at a lot younger age than, than I am now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've just been fortunate in terms of my health. I've had my one knee scope twice, but I have and had it scoped since 98 and it's been fine since then so so there that gives you a bit of an idea of how old i am awesome oh, 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 well no it's okay i'm not asking for your age i i know more or less how old you are and you're looking great but so 
in terms of like the way you train now, do you do more yoga? Do you do, do you concentrate more on stretching? I know back in the day when I got a, an hour to work out in the gym, screw stretching. I got to get to the weights. How about, right. but now you got to stretch out a little more and take it a little slower. How about you? Yeah, same thing. But, you know, I do find I, I actually have not worked out as much as my normal routine when yeah. I was playing at a, at a high level of um, playing on the World Curling Tour events. You know, I've kind of slacked off somewhat, but, you know, I just do, I do do a lot of walking and a lot of stretching. And, and I think that, you know, as long as you keep mobile, uh, that's the important thing. And then work some weights in here and there. So. Awesome. Well, it's been a great uh, pleasure to talk to you. That's a cool angle with you and your son, Derek. I'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, no problem, Ballsy. That's Michael Ball in conversation with Saskatchewan curling legend Michelle Inglot for Western Pizza. Order the Rough Rider Suite deal from Western Pizza, and you and a friend could be watching a rider game from a luxury suite. Out to the text line, Trevor from Regina mm-hmm. says, I think fans have seven more home games to see Bedard before he's gone after the World Juniors. Agreed. How do you respond? You you would... I think so. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to do very well at the World Juniors, knock on wood, that he stays healthy and all that good stuff, and his trade value will never be higher, especially that close to the WHL trade deadline. You should be able to get a king's ransom for the guy, and if you don't see yourselves as contenders, and at this point, I mean, the Pats are a 500 hockey team, so maybe you stock up on prospects, and uh, Tanner Howell's your next up-and-coming superstar. I'm a little disappointed that the Pats rebound has taken this long true right like like, like we all accepted after 2018 that Mm -hmm. hey you had the 100th memorial cup you were built for that year yep and maybe covid screwed around with that a little bit i don't think it did i think there are a lot of other teams who were victimized by covid much worse than the regina pats i think what really messed the pats up the year previous when they were a lot better than they thought they were and john paddock decided well we got to go all in this is a really good team but then you had to do it two years in a row. You're basically giving up the farm. When you say the year before, you're talking about 2017. That's right. Right. Okay. When they got to the finals. Yes. Right. And they lost to Seattle. Yes. And I don't. I don't begrudge him for that even. Like going all in. Well, because you might as well. Team, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. But uh, that definitely messed up their agenda or timeline in terms of they were building for 2018, got there a year early and had to acquire your best guys move on after the 2018 season. So you got to reload and and when you're hosting the. Memorial Cup, you better reload. And yeah, Pete's, so close. Pete's making excuses for the past. Yeah, I'm they an were, apologist. That's me. They 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 were in the conversation in 2018. So is Swift Current, and mm-hmm. Swift Current's in the conversation again. The Pats are nowhere close. That's fair. With or without Bedard. Text line brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. I'll start that again. A little rusty at this. Mm-hmm. Text line brought powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one. GM dealership. There you go. Phew. I survived that Wasn't one. Wasn't that hard. Game tonight. Uh, the Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yes. Nathan Rourke supposed to start. Get cranked up again. That's going to be very interesting. I know the Bombers are not in a must-win situation by any stretch of the imagination, but they sat a bunch of their guys their last game, and now they're back, guys like Willie Jefferson, and uh, obviously they're going to look to send a message, I think, to the Lions in case that's a uh, Western Conference championship preview. 
That's kind of hard if you're Winnipeg, isn't it? Because you can't turn it on and off like a faucet. No. And I, I feel like it's kind of awkward because I feel like BC should rest all their guys mm-hmm. because they don't have the bye week mm-hmm. and they have to get ready for next week to play Calgary in the West semifinal. Problem with that is you have Nathan Rourke coming back. Yep. And Lucky Whitehead. And how do you crank those guys up if you don't take it seriously? No, you have to give them some playing time or else they're not going to be sharp for playoffs and you're going to be one and done. And then you look across to the other side and the Blue Bombers are going to rest everybody. Mm. And I wonder if that's a mistake because they have a bye week coming up. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie Lancaster once said, and Ronnie was very rarely, maybe never wrong about these things. Mm. Um, He was coaching the Edmonton. They used to be called something different than they are now. That team. And at the end of the season, they had a bye week, just the way the schedule fell. And he was worried that if they finished in first place, they'd have another bye week. True. And he said, I don't know that I can keep them crisp for that long. Hmm. And they never did. It, it never happened. They never caught Calgary. But my point is, you can't turn it on and off like a faucet. Mm-hmm. And I think last year, I remember Winnipeg, I think, rolled over, played dead one week, then had a bye week. And then got off to a really sloppy start against Saskatchewan in that West Final. Yeah, they did. So that's a delicate, delicate balancing act because, I mean, you don't want to risk losing a Kalaros or a Willie Jefferson in what really is a nothing game tonight. But you also want them sharp come playoffs. So darned if you do, darned if you don't. Do you remember when the Dawn was around? Doug of Matthews course. With the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. And they had Doug Flutie at the end of the season. Actually, this is more of a Doug Flutie conversation. At the end of the season, they never sat him. Mm-hmm. He always played. He played pretty well every game. I think the final game of the year, they might sit him down early in the third quarter mm-hmm. for that very reason. And they risked all kinds of injury happening. Mm-hmm. They won. Mm-hmm. They won those back-to-back Grey Cups. So, I don't know. I think that resting guys is a little bit overrated, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, I never played the game at a high level, so mm-hmm. I don't feel those aches and pains. Mm-hmm. But I think continuity should trump all of that. Oh, for sure. At this level. And it's like, and I know this is a sensitive topic around uh, Regina these days, but it's like plugging and playing an old line all season long. You're not going to get any continuity unless the same five guys are out there week after week after week. And have a quarterback who doesn't move all over the place and juke and jive. and Also true. But that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other show. Coming up on the Sports Cage, we will hear from Regina Thunder head coach Scott McCauley. I'm really excited about that. Teeing up Sunday's Prairie Football Conference Championship game. We'll be back with more on the Sports Cage here on the Almighty Sixth. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Time for the sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Lots of football coming up this weekend. Of course, the University of Regina Rams hosting the Manitoba Bisons 2 p.m. at Mosaic Stadium. You can catch that broadcast on the internet, online at CKRM2. Just go to the CKRM website, ckrm.com, and you will find the broadcast there. Nolan Cowell will be in the chair doing play-by-play in that game against, massive game against the University of Manitoba Bisons. We'll Who's see the what, color commentator? It is... That'd be me. You're doing the color, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have you done color on any Rams broadcasts this year? Yeah, the home games. Um, I think I missed one. Daniela had uh, Jeff Fairholm on the game in... Wherever that was. 
Well, Calgary? that was the Saskatoon game. Yes, oh, the Saskatoon that's right. game. That's, that's right, because right. Jeff lives in Calgary. Yep. I get it all. No, they don't send me out on the road. I'm not allowed to leave city limits. Thank goodness for that. It's a whole legal thing. Don't worry about it. Of course, we'll have the pregame show for the Ryder game on the main network. That'll mm-hmm. be tomorrow from, um, or that will start from at 3 o'clock. Kickoff will be at 6, and then you'll hear the roundtable as well after. So busy, busy football Saturday. Oh, um, yeah. 620 CKRM. And then on Sunday, we'll have the Thunder broadcast. Uh, that will be, you can watch that on Access mm-hmm. Communications in the Regina area. And that'll be a one o'clock kickoff from Mosaic Stadium. Hopefully, the city doesn't hang them out to dry. Oh, boy. To shovel snow. Oh, boy. Two hour delay in the last game. I saw all the photos. I missed out on it, mm-hmm. but um, glad I didn't have to sit there in a two hour delay. But those are the games you remember. Mm-hmm. And of course, tonight in the Canadian Football League, just the one game, uh, the BC Lions at Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a complete nothing game. However, it is the return of Nathan Rourke, who season has been cut short, we thought was cut short from that, they call it a Liz Frank sprain mm-hmm. from a loss, a victory, sorry, over the Rough Riders a little bit earlier this season. The sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Brendan McGuire, Pete Pasco, and Nick Katchmer here on the Friday edition of the Sports Cage. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we will hear from Charleston Hughes about whether or not a game in Calgary of all places will be his final stop in a CFL uniform. Good decision to bring him back this year? Well, it's hard to say since he was a healthy scratch for so many games. I mean, he seemed to be productive when he was in the lineup. He just wasn't in the lineup very much. Now, was that a matter of him not performing at a high enough level or just a numbers game? I'm not sure. If I was him, I wouldn't want to go out on this note. I'd probably try to play one more year somewhere. Even in a part-time role. Mm-hmm. Well, those those pass rushers can go longer, and we've seen that before. I always think of the example of the great, he played linebacker, but... Remember Alondra Johnson? <laughs> That's the guy I was just thinking of, yeah. He played into his 90s, I think it was. Okay, it just felt like Pretty it. close. Yeah. And I remember his last season, they were having problems with his knee, his last mm-hmm. full season. And then he showed up for training camp in Calgary. Mm-hmm. They cut him. Mm-hmm. And then we got to late in the season. I'm going to say the last four or five games. And Roy Shivers, because he and Danny just loved their ex-Calgary players, yep. brought him in. And he actually looked pretty good. Yep. And, and in fact, in the West Final, when Paul McCallum slipped hmm. in that overtime, uh, BC, I think it was a third, no, second and long, and Dave Dickinson is back, he's rolling around, and Alondra Johnson over-pursued him by a whisker, Ooh. if you watch the replay. If he sacks Dave Dickinson on that play, they're out of field goal range, hmm. and the Riders probably win the game. <sighs> game of inches. But So we'll hear from Charleston Hughes a little bit later on on that front. Is it? Tanner, who's doing news? I think we've got Tanner. He did a great job for us on the Red Sox broadcasts. Well, I guess he's a versatile young man. Will he be the next ag director? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Might as well get some, uh, you know, some uh, betting going on that thing. About who the next ag director is yeah, going to be? Absolutely. Or the over-under for when we let Jim retire? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they may not if they can't get the right person. You know what's funny about this place? Jim Smalley, our ag director, uh, grew up on a farm, just a hop, skip, and a jump from the farm I grew up on in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And Cody Glyden yep. on the morning show yep. grew up on a farm 
not even a hop, skip, and a jump, maybe just a hop and a half skip wow. from the farm I grew up on Gee. in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. I didn't meet either one of these two guys until walking the hallways of 620 CKRM. Crazy. I think that's the new, uh, the new station motto, bringing Saskatchewan together, one farm guy at a time. Well, the other thing I was going to talk about, oh, the news that's coming up here at the top of the hour. That Colin Thatcher thing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I had read years ago that they had kept Lyle Stewart out of cabinet because because of his connection to Colin. And I remember thinking, mm. nobody cares about that anymore. Apparently they do. And they brought him in. Well, just because he knows him, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about that. Inviting him to an event. Yeah when you're supposed to be getting tough on crime mm-hmm. and taking domestic violence seriously, and I'm not being partisan here. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine, it's just a, a bad look, big Sask party donor yep. was furious about this. Mm-hmm. And if premier Mo had his druthers, mm-hmm. he would punt that MLA's fat rear end right out of caucus. Golly. Well, keep in mind, Joanne Wilson was murdered. Whether or not you believe Colin did it, that's that's a whole other discussion. Joanne Wilson was murdered literally across the street from where the throne speech was held. Bad optics. Real bad. Somehow I don't think having Colin Thatcher walking around smiling and laughing and talking to the media was such a good idea. No. Not sure who was responsible for that, but not their best day. I think we have a pretty good idea. Carter Shuchuk probably playing his last PFC game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And if they win, it won't be his last game, period. It'll be, they'll have the Canadian Bowl coming up in two weeks. Whoever wins will be the home team in the Canadian Bowl. Mm -hmm. And you're very well connected to the football scene. We'll talk about your Sheldon Williams Collegiate Spartans. Did I say that right? That is correct. Ballsy wanted me to bring up what did he say on the phone today? I think it was, bring up Pete getting blown out oh, come on. in the playoff game. I didn't play. I didn't miss a tackle. What is your role there? What do you do for Running that? back coach. Okay. Yeah. Is that what you did last year, Winston Knoll? Yes. Okay. Last, I guess the last four years before that. Yep. I did some PA announcing this year over at Libel Field. Hmm. It's a good time. High school football is great. It's certainly... Uh, the quality of high school football is just so much better than it was a thousand years ago when I played. Well, I remember at Libel Field, because that's just a hop, speaking of a hop, skip, and a jump, mm-hmm. my mom lives really close to that place. Mm. And so when I was a wee little thing, I'd come into the city, and I'd go, and my dad and I would toss the football around on Libel Field. Mm. Dad would have a smoke hanging out of his <laughs> mouth. And we'd walk around, and you look at that facility today, it's like, no comparison. oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I host In the Huddle weekly on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. You can watch it on Access Communication, 7 p.m. Tuesday nights. Good plug. <laughs> Quality plug. And uh, my co-host is Marshall Hamilton. Yep. And I didn't even know that Marshall and Kelly brothers. were brothers yep. until Kelly passed away mm. because they don't like to brag about each other. That's fair. But but they're very proud of each other. Oh, yeah. And Marshall gave a nice little tribute. So, mm-hmm. learned yeah, so was, much. That was quite a loss to football in this province. Kelly Hamilton was, he's probably the reason I stuck around coaching for as long as I did, because he was very supportive, very helpful. I always had time for the new coaches to sort of get them up to speed and point them in the right direction of clinics and everything. Just a great guy.
amazing facility that they have over there. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere, even for like a Bantam game or whatever. Oh, it's great. The kids feel like it's it's big time stuff. But but apparently the college teams and sorry, the college and the junior team, the Rams and the Thunder. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal to play at Mosaic Stadium, even even if the game day experience isn't quite as electric mm-hmm. as in the smaller facility, because it's a recruiting thing. What about the high school kids? Do they do they care which stadium they play in? I think there's still a little bit of a oh. We're at the Ryder Stadium. This is pretty cool. But it is pretty cavernous for a high school game when you're only getting, you know, dozens of fans as opposed to thousands of fans. Still, it's it's a cool experience. Good just a different vibe than you, Libel Field. You just want to keep alternating is what you're saying. You want to play it both. Yeah, that'd be great. So, there you go. Okay. We'll be back with more after the break. Coming up, we'll have news here at the top of the hour. Tanner is in and... We'll hear from head coach Scott McCulley of the Regina Thunder. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Taking you through the Friday edition of the Sports Cage here on the Almighty 620. This is Brendan McGuire alongside Pete Pasco and Nick Kachmer. Coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from Charleston Hughes on whether or not this trip to Calgary will be his last stop. The last dance. Did you watch that? No. The Michael Jordan thing? That oh, everybody's... right. I just forgot the name. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. It was... I don't know. It, it's almost like... Hey, Michael Jordan, would you like to produce your own documentary with zero warts about you? Would that be fun? And frame it exactly the way you want to frame it? Yep. Horace Grant wasn't very happy with the way it was portrayed. Apparently not, no. I don't think Scottie Pippen loved it either. But everybody loved it, I mm. felt like. Like, my wife's not even a basketball fan. She loved She She's watched it twice. Oh, wow. That was a cool show. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I felt like I knew most of all that stuff that they talked about in there. But I think more than anything, it was a big hit just because that was right when the pandemic hit. So everybody was at home and they sped up the release. And so one of the best athletes of our time. We'll go out to the Capital GMC text hotline. Stephen from Saskatoon. Hey, guys, which teams do you think will end up playing in the Grey Cup next month? Question mark, question mark. Wow. I think picking from the West is easier for me. Hmm. Um, the the team that hosts the West final mm-hmm. in the last 35 years has a dismal record. Oh, really? I don't have the stat in front of me, but they have a losing record. Hmm. And I often thought maybe you just don't get a home field advantage when you get to that point in the cold weather, etc. But then I realized that most of the teams that lost in the West final at home mm-hmm. were built on offense. Doug Flutie lost three West Finals. No, sorry, two out of three West Finals at home. Hmm. And so you're not built to be in the cold if you're built with one of those high-powered offenses. Winnipeg is not built that way. No. They're built along the ground, even today, Mm -hmm. without Andrew Harris. Not as much as they were, but they still are. Mm -hmm. I love how I'm waving my finger around like I have some point. You folks can see this, right? Yeah. And... So I think they get back here, which I think the fans here, this is how sad it's become, is that the fans of Regina actually want Winnipeg to get to the Grey Cup so that they'll eat up any tickets that they want to put on the resale market. True. So I think it'll be Winnipeg. Yeah. And I'll give it to Toronto, not just because they're in first place, but because they're, they'll be going against a quarterback in that East Final, likely 
Trevor Harris and Trevor Harris is Trevor Harris. Yeah. You don't know what well, you don't know what you're going to get from McLeod Bethel Thompson, although to be fair, this season he's been a lot more consistent than he has been in past years. And that Toronto defense is very good, very aggressive. So I I answered Steven's question. I think it'll be Winnipeg Toronto. Who do you have, Pete? I'm not disagreeing. Um I think Toronto's coming out of the East. I'd love to see BC come out of the West cuz I just think they're a more entertaining team to watch. But I don't know. I, I would not bet against Winnipeg at any point. There. So you have a couple of wimps in here picking the first place teams. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Great analysis. Text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Massive game coming up Sunday at Mosaic Stadium mm-hmm. between the Regina Thunder and the Saskatoon Hilltops. Mm-hmm. Can the Thunder finally climb that wall and slay the dragon? Ballsy caught up with Regina Thunder head coach Scott McCauley earlier this week. We'll listen to that right now. Scott McCauley, head coach of the Regina Thunder. Tenth season. That slipped past me, man. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you very much. It's definitely gone by pretty quick, and it's been a lot of fun experience, that's for sure. Okay, so wait a minute. You The first year you won the championship then? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I out the very first year, but we had a... Uh, Solid coaching staff and a lot of great players. Well, you got a, co- a solid coaching staff and a lot of great players here. You're nine and zero. You go last year. You only lost one game. That was the one you really couldn't afford to lose. Uh, so, <laughs> what's it feel like going into this one, man? I was talking to your OC. You guys must be busting at the seams, ready to go. Yeah, the players like everyone's excited to get going, and I know that coach has been working extremely hard this week to make sure we got some good game plans in and. You know, like, it's a similar situation to last year, and I think our guys, like, you know, being that PC final, like, any time you get later in the season, there's, like, small like small room for, for any kind of errors, right? And, uh, you know, our guys understand that, and I think that we'll have more of that veteran savvy uh, going into this game. Can you pitch the underdog? Because, I mean, you're you're the best team, but you haven't beat them when it counts. Can you use that angle? Can can you use that angle? Will you use that angle? Or what's your message this week? Well, I mean, you could use that angle. I'm sure we'll use it in the media, but, like, to the players, really, it's just concentrating on what we do. And, you know, I think it's good. You know, through all the years, like, with all the exit interviews, that's kind of the, the, the main feedback we always get. The players seem to get more excited when we're concentrating just on ourselves and talking about our team and what we're going to do and how we're going to react to plays and building them up that way. So I think that's, you know, the message to the team is going to be just concentrating on what we do and, and, and making sure that we all do our jobs. Forgot somebody told me last week you guys were like that close to having to forfeit that game because the field wasn't clear of snow. Is that true? Yeah, there was there was a possibility that that was going to happen, and there's a time timeline that we had to meet. You know, were you pretty? Uh, I guess give a shout out to all those people that got out there and shoveled for you guys. Yeah, I mean the the, the all the volunteers and the sports staff, and the coaches and the players, like everybody was out there shoveling and snow blowing and trying to work with uh, the one city person that was there helping with the tractor and stuff to clear it as much as we possibly could and as fast as we could. Ten years ago, Stefan Ensign told me he probably wouldn't uh, let his, or his ego wouldn't let him run the ball that much as an offensive coordinator, but he said he doesn't, ca- <laughs> he doesn't care now. He just wants to win. Uh, it's win at any cost. Just talk about that dominating running performance by your whole team. Yeah, no, like it was outstanding. Our offensive line really came out to play that day and we were able to take advantage of some of the formations that they were in. And, you know, our guys, you know, spent a lot of time in the offseason with level 10 throwing weights around and we've done our best to try to maintain that strength throughout the whole season. So it was really 
kind of boiled down to that. And that's that's the beauty of this team is that, you know, like we're not just a pass-oriented team even though we got, you know, a bunch of great receivers and a strong quarterback. I mean, at the end of the day, we can run the ball as well. And, you know, part of it too, when you get to this time of year when it's cold and windy out, it's hard to throw the ball and you have to have that running attack. And also you can start to control the clock as well. And I think that uh, over our time, with uh, Stefan and myself here over the last 10 years, we've kind of figured out, you know, in, in our minds, like it's the best way to kind of control the clock and control the flow of the game. You're a con- you're a real competitor yourself with your playing background and everything like that. I know that for sure. So how do you control your emotions on this uh, day when you get ready to face them in a key game with the Canadian Bowl being hosted on your home turf? If you can do it, well, yeah, I basically just go home. And, uh, Susan will put me in my place, make sure that <laughs> I'm focused on the task at hand, and come back to reality. But uh, no, it's there's definitely some exciting times and. You know, it's funny as you kind of go through the whole week as you prepare at the start, you know, like you're kind of relaxed and then also you get like super nervous and, you know, you start maybe questioning yourself about this and about that. And then as you start to install things and things start to work out and you start to become relaxed again. And I think we're getting to that point that we're, we're pretty confident in the game plan that we're creating right now. And we got two more practices to perfect it. And then, uh, you know, the A's in the barn and it is what it is. And we'll go out there and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll play the best of our capabilities. Okay, so finish the thought for me, uh, Scott, as we wrap up this interview. The Regina Thunder will be PFC champs if they... Run the ball. <laughs> I love it. When's the... <laughs> and, and honestly... I'm going to that out to Stefan, but, you know, like, really, like our defense, like, we, we, team, like, like, they're a good running team, too, and they can throw the ball, and we're just going to make sure defensively, like, our guys sit up in the, the, the right spots, and we're tackling and being aggressive, and you know, like, even on the offensive side, like, you know, we're going to want to put the ball in some of our key playmaker hands, like Isaac Ford and Isaiah Woodley and Rylan Sokol. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, our guy's going to be super aggressive, and and uh, part of that is running the ball as well. Yeah, and when's the last time you've been able to say, hey, that's what we're going to do? We have we maybe have an advantage or at least on par with Saskatoon. That's always been kind of a disadvantage, the line play. Yeah, absolutely. That's always been the thing. They've always done a great job recruiting big, strong guys. And, you know, we actually kind of changed up some of our recruiting philosophy, too, where, you know, we still always want the best football players, but we want guys with size and stuff as well. So if there's a, you know, good uh, offensive lineman with great skill set, but just isn't big, you know, big enough, you know, like we got to go with the guys that are bigger and we'll coach them up and develop them. And our offensive line coaches with uh, Mark Becker and Matt Hallwalks, they've done a phenomenal job preparing our guys. So, you know, size does matter when it comes down to these types of games. All right, and lastly, I know you weren't too happy with the uh, discipline or their lack of what's been the message this week in your last game I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, we addressed it right away after the game. And, uh, you know, like, a, uh, like I'm really proud of our captains and our, like our veteran players. They're the ones that really kind of took that message and been running with it all week. And I think our guys fully understand that, you know, like in games like this, like, one stupid penalty could change the, the whole flow of the game, right? And so we got to make sure that we're smart and, you know, we're doing things the right way. All right, Scott, thanks for this. Best of luck in your 10th season getting back to the championship game. But first, you got business to take care of in the PFC title game. Good luck. All right, thank you. Okay, Ballsy and Coach Scott McCauley ahead of Sunday's game. You can watch it at uh, 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. I keep saying, you know, it'll be on access. We'll have uh, Daniela Ponticelli and uh, Ryan Hall doing the broadcast. But... Forget that for a minute. Okay. Come out and buy a ticket. Even better. Come to the park. Yep. 
bundle up. I don't think they're going to have the four feet of snow or whatever. Shouldn't be too bad. Time. That's crazy, hey, how they almost had to forfeit the last That's game. insane. And something that was completely out of their control. Ah, nice, uh, nice job, City of Regina. Just saying. This is a huge football weekend for the Macaulay family. Obviously, Scott and, and the Thunder, but also Scott's twin boys, Matthew and Chase, suiting up for Winston Knoll in the 6A semifinals against the defending provincial champions from Miller tonight. Big game. Big game. I didn't know they were twins. Yes. He announced a couple games where they were playing, and mm-hmm. I knew he had a couple boys playing. But you, uh, the game. I can't you- tell them apart, and I coach them. I, I But just touching on what he said, I feel like th- there was an argument in the 90s that in hockey, go after size mm-hmm. because you can teach skating. Yep. You can't teach size. I think that very nearly ruined the sport. Mm-hmm. And we're back, getting back to where it needs to be if we're not back there already. Yep. But in football, that's still true, isn't it? Well, especially on the offensive line and to a lesser extent on the defensive line. You need legitimate athletes on defense. If you can get some big boys and teach them the footwork on the offensive line, especially in tough conditions where you're trying to run the ball, you, you can do all right. More football talk when we come back. And also, we will hear from Charleston Hughes and talk a little bit about the Great Cup festivities that are only a couple of weeks away. You are listening to The Sports Cage on 620. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now, back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back on on another Friday edition of the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Coming up a little bit later, we'll hear from Charleston Hughes about the possibility that this game in Calgary could be his last stop in a CFL uniform uh, coming up on 40. I think he'll turn 39, I want to say, in November. So feels right. maybe one more year. I, I think, think so. on the D-line, you can... How close is he to the sack record? Uh, he, I don't think he's going to get there. No. Trailing Grover Covington, I think he's fourth. He's he's not going to get there. I remember when Alfred Payton came back and he kept playing because he wanted to get to the record. Yep. And Cal Murphy used to sit behind me in the press box, mm. and he was really, um, how do I say this? Blunt. <laughs> Politically incorrect, always yeah. sitting behind me. Yep. And uh, I said, do you think he's going to catch the record? He goes, <laughs> have you seen the burst he gets? Mm. Cal knows. Cal was no dummy. And you'd think he would have been rooting for Alfred because he he coached him. He mm-hmm. brought him into the league. Yep. His son's a big star in the NBA. Alfred Payton Jr. Oh, okay. I should have made that connection. But So when most people hear that name, that's who they think of. But I still think of Alfred Payton, the CFL player. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, this rider thing. Oops, lots of opinions swirling around about what happens next. You know, I love the sport of football. Some people say that they love the, you know, the violence, the smashing. Mm-hmm. And I do. I could take it or leave it. It's mm-hmm. okay. But for me, it's the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's the strategy mm-hmm. that I just love about the sport. And and it, it's the ultimate reality TV show. Mm-hmm. It's Big Brother 40 years before Big Brother or 100 yep. years before Big Brother. I think it's the got, ultimate team sport because one guy can dominate in hockey. He shouldn't. But or, one basketball, guy basketball. or basketball. Yeah. But in football, no. You can't win with one guy. Not even Tom Brady. We've, we've learned Especially that. Especially not now. The soon-to-be single Tom Brady. So it's really interesting when we have players coming and going, coaches coming and going. Mm-hmm. But it gets to a point where it's almost trashy. You know what I mean? We're like, well, they should fire him. 
But then we have to step back and remember, and Don Hewitt said this very well mm-hmm. on the post-game show after the last game to a caller. He said, well, it's their job to excite you. Hmm. And it's a privilege, mm-hmm. a major privilege, mm-hmm. to be in some role in the hierarchy of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah. So they are held to a higher set. That comes with the deal. It's like Craig Dickinson said, that that's part of the deal. And many are arguing, I think at the very least, they need to do something like bring in Bo Levi Mitchell to get people excited. I'm not sure that they need to fire Coach Dickinson, GM Jeremy O'Day, mm-hmm. or anybody else. I think if you bring in Bo Levi Mitchell, I think you have something to sell to yep. the public. And one bad year does not erase two good years. True. And, and, and people are railing on it. But there has been a deterioration yes. on the personnel. Nobody can deny that no. from where they were when Chris Jones left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing the finger wave thing again. That's okay. At the end of 2018 to where they are here at the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. So that they're going to have to buck up on their personnel and think about who's doing their personnel. Well, I mean, this is this whole year was and now I'm going to be an apologist for the riders, but I'm not. Um, I, this whole year was so unusual. So many things that would not happen in a normal year. Didn't expect COVID to go through the team. Didn't, yeah, we thought that was over. Didn't and, expect everything yeah. they ate to go through the team with the uh, the food poisoning issue or the stomach flu. Um, but they probably would have lost that game anyways. I felt like the, I felt like the game. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the Toronto, Toronto thing. game. Yep, Th- that was a back to back. That to me, it's like mm-hmm. something wrong here. But they lost both to Toronto. But both to Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Um, didn't expect. Well, maybe. Some people probably expected Garrett Marino to flame out at some point, but certainly didn't expect that to play out the way it did or that to be the last home field win for the Riders. Uh, the injuries, lots of injuries. Uh, Anthony Lanier back in the lineup this weekend. They certainly missed him in the middle of the defensive line. I'd be willing to give them one more shot. I, I know Rob Vanstone wrote about that in his column, and I'm inclined to agree. Now, does one more shot include Cody Fajardo coming back? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you can sell that. No. And that's the problem. Like, like um, my good friend Mike Abumeshrek and I had this discussion mm-hmm. a little while back. He said, blow it up and bring in Bo. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know that Bo is any better than what you already had with Cody Fajardo. True. But the difference is we saw what we had with Fajardo. Mm-hmm. And if he comes back and everything's the same, you have a full-on disaster because you knew you had a problem and you did nothing to address it. Mm -hmm. If you bring in Bo Levi Mitchell, he might be something better. And sometimes that's all it takes. Bo's certainly going to be motivated. You can't think a proud guy like that sitting on the bench the second half or most of this season is going to be happy about that. So he's looking for a chance to, if not rejuvenate his career, at least go out on his own terms. Do you buy any of that mumbo-jumbo rhetoric that the only reason Calgary sat him is because they needed to move on to somebody who's more affordable? I don't think it's affordability. I don't think the Stampeders and certainly uh, John Huffnagel worry about that a whole lot. I think they worry about winning. And they thought Jake Mayer gave them the best shot. He's more mobile than Bo, and uh, he's been playing better than Bo was at the time he got pulled. So, no, I think it's just a straight business decision. But, but should we not be concerned about his shoulder? Yeah, we should. He Absolutely. didn't look very good no. last year or the, he hasn't looked good since before the pandemic. I'd be, he hasn't looked good since his tryout in Minnesota. Ooh, that's true. Where he probably should have stuck, actually. Um, and probably could have. Yep. 
Bo's a proud guy. He wanted to compete for the uh, the starting role in Minnesota. And they said, we've got this Kirk Cousins guy you may have heard of. We're paying him a lot of money, so you're competing for number two. And Bo said, no, thanks. I'll go back to Calgary. Which is highly unusual and shocking, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age. But I don't know. His shoulder, it just... There's something about his mechanics, and mm-hmm. and Dickinson and Huffnagel are no dummies when it comes to figuring out quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I understand they gave up on Henry Burris a little bit prematurely, True. maybe. True. But they had a guy waiting in the wings, Bo Levi Mitchell, who uh, needed to play or they'd lose him. So they went with a younger guy and the more affordable option at that time. I think uh, I think they know what they're doing. Some folks, Wally Buono was a master at this. He knew when your best before date had arrived as a football player. And sometimes he cut you off a, maybe a year before that best before date, but he always knew this guy was going to be done soon. Let's bring in somebody younger and make him a star. Wally was a master at that. And Huffnagel learned from Wally. True. And Dickinson is learning from Huffnagel. Mm-hmm. And there's that saying, better to leave two years too early than two minutes too late. Yep. I think the Stampeders have learned that all too well. We'll kick it around some more when we come back. This is the Sports Cage on 620. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back on another Friday edition of the Sports Cage, I'm Brendan McGuire alongside Pete Pasco and Nick Ketchmer getting us through the afternoon. It's the first time we've done this in a while. I, I don't think we've ever done a cage before I, together. I no, I was is, thinking. We've, yeah. I mean, we've done different broadcasts together, but this is the first for us in this place on this show. Thunder. Yeah, you did a, you did a couple Thunder games with me yep. and um, Locker Talk. Yep. So uh, did we do some Red Sox games together as we well? We did. We did. Right. Yes. We're a package deal. You hear that, CKRM? Our agent will We're be like in touch. We're like Jay and Dan. Well, that bond got broken, That's so true. we're stronger yeah. than them. But uh, Dante DiCaria, who is on this station a lot yep. with his work with the Regina Pats, and Tanner Wallace-Scribner, who's doing the news at the top of the hour, mm-hmm. helped us out a lot on the Regina Red Sox webcast this mm-hmm. last year. And we have lots more planned for 2023, so we are excited about that as well. Andrew from Saskatoon on the text line. Are Dickinson and O'Day under contract for next season? Andrew, I'll pick that one up for you. The answer is yes. They are both under contract through 2023. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. In professional sport, if you have one year left on your deal, mm-hmm. that's viewed as you're a free agent now. Mm-hmm. Like quite often right. coaches, they say, well, we're not going to fire you. We'll extend you by another year. Mm-hmm. So you have a year buffer because you don't usually want the coach to go near the end. I don't think that applies in the CFL because they can't afford to do that. No, they can't afford to give an extra year. That's true. Now, here's my question, and I do not know the answer to this. If you gas a coach, you're on the line for his contract or his salary, at least until he gets another job. But does the fired coach's salary also apply to the salary cap? Uh, that's a problem. That's a great question. My my understanding with that is it depends on the arrangement because I remember that being a bone of contention when Richie Hall got fired mm. as the coach of the Edmonton, they're called the Elks now, yep. and came to, back to Regina. And there was that was in limbo for a little while. Hmm. And I think they had to just settle up. How much are we going to pay you to let you go? Mm. Because Richie probably wasn't going to agree to go from, I'm just using an example, he might have been making 300000 mm-hmm. as a head coach. Mm-hmm. You're not going to walk away from that to go make 
150000 to be the defensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. True. You would have to negotiate some kind of settlement mm-hmm. to where Richie comes out ahead and the ball club over there comes out ahead mm. so that they can write you off. So in that example, let's say uh, Edmonton agrees to let him leave mm-hmm. and instead of paying him out $300,000, they'll pay him out two hundred. I suspect that that two hundred will go against the Edmonton operations cap hmm. and the one fifty. Okay. Did that make sense? Yeah, I kind of rambled there and I bored myself to death. But the point is, I'm still I, here. I think whatever the settlement is that you pay out goes against the operations cap. But mm. if they go to another team and they're willing to absorb all that, somebody's got to pay the tab. So you obviously somewhere. can't be firing coaches willy nilly every year because all of a sudden you're out of money. Yeah. You're out of money that you can spend. But you, th- you think about it, it's good for two reasons. I actually support the cap, not because I want to see these coaches work to death, but mm-hmm. for two reasons. And is number one, um, it's harder to fire coaches. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be hard to fire coaches mm-hmm. because you need to give them the time mm-hmm. to complete the job that you have hired them to do. Mm-hmm. And number two, we had a major problem before where we had a whole crap load of money going to these coaches mm-hmm and not a whole lot to the athletes who are getting the concussions and banging bodies and are on the are the on-field product. So, Charleston Hughes might be making his last ever stop this weekend in Calgary at McMahon Stadium. Let's hear what he had to say to Ballsy about that. Are we looking at this the final game in the Charleston Houston Charleston your career or what are we looking at that? Uh, definitely not. Um, okay. I would say it's, it's the final game of the season, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but for next year, you know, I still got got a lot of stuff I can do on the field. I felt like I played great when I was on the field. Um, I got this, the, the stat line to prove it. So if you look at the amount of plays that I played this year compared to the amount of plays that I made on the field, man, I'm still, I still got it. So no doubt in your mind, yeah. And it ain't a doubt in my mind that I'm one of the best defensive ends in this league. Um, Maybe if I was fortunate enough to play a little bit as much as other guys, you know, I would I would be leading the league in sacks. It's one of those things where it's the best decision for the team. You know, you can't really argue that. You know, the coaches got to make their, their judgment and their call about what's best for the team and what's the, the best decision to win the game. And if that's me being on the sideline and, and coaching guys up and, you know, helping them put their best foot forward, then that's what's need to be called. Charleston, I know that uh, just in speaking with you over the last couple of weeks, seeing your posts on social media, you've maintained such a positive outlook and really put taking that team first mentality. How important has that been for you as a veteran on this team? Um, I think that was important, especially because I kind of dealt with the same situation in the previous team that I was with. Um, I didn't, I didn't take a lot of the stuff that was going on there so well. So. I made it a, a good conscious decision to learn from that experience and, and, and change my ways. But the thing is now is, you know, I've learned to embrace whatever chances I get and whatever moments I get on the field and make the best out of it. I mean, it just has a lot, lot to do with the flow of the game, man. A lot of teams have been running the ball on us lately and trying to avoid passing and then stacking the box as much as possible to try to slow, you know, Pete, AC, Lanier, the rest of those guys down. Um, it's tough. It's tough getting to the quarterback, man, when, when the team is having some success on the run and stacking the box and chipping and making sure you can't pass rush as much as possible. So we just got to come with a, with a good game plan to get after this quarterback this week. Yeah, man, it's always nice to go there, man. I got some. I got friends there still that, that are rooting for me, that are hoping that I can step on the field, you know, for this game so they can cheer me on. So hopefully I get a chance to be out there, and it's going to be a great experience, I'll tell you that.
Man, it's good to see uh, my kids blossom and, and become the great players that they are today. You know, I take credit for that one. But the thing is, is that, you know, I'm proud of Levy, man. I really, really hope he wins Defense Player of the Year. You know, he deserves it. He's been through some rough patches, you know, just throughout the years. And I think he has the ability, and he shows he has the ability to, you know, still perform at a, at a later age. You, uh, you you played with Bo for a lot of years. It might be his last game in Calgary. What's your thoughts on what he's done over there? He's one of the greatest quarterbacks that came through Calgary, um, and he's he's proved he's proven himself to be an elite quarterback. And the thing is, is you know if stuff don't work out there, I'm pretty sure he has a home somewhere. Charleston Hughes in conversation with the Regina Media ahead of tomorrow's regular season finale for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to that broadcast here on 620 CKRM. Kickoff will be at 6 p.m. The pregame show with Daniela Ponticelli and crew will be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then, of course, after the game, we'll have the postgame show and the roundtable, etc. You said you'd bring back Charleston? If he, if he wants to come back? I think I would. And boy, I hate the term load management, but I think Charleston's a perfect example of what could be accomplished if you put a guy under a load management type of system. Charleston, at his age, is no longer an every-down guy every week. But in obvious passing situations, he can still get it done. He can still get to the quarterback. If you can afford to bring in Charleston just to have him as a designated pass rusher, I think I think he could still give you a year or two more. I think he knows that too. It's yes. not like he'd have any misgivings about what his role is. Mm-hmm. Like like part of the problem is that in Toronto they I was gonna say backed up the money truck by CFL standards yeah. for a guy whose best before date is probably pass. Mm-hmm. So if they if they didn't do that, it would have been a fit. He fit better here in Saskatchewan this year than he did last year in Toronto. So if he knows that's his role, mm-hmm. they clarify that with him. I think that can work. Let's go out to the text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Mark in Regina, quote, let's say Cody is gone in free agency and Bo Levi doesn't come here. What's the backup plan? Who would you guys get as Ryder QB? End quote. That's a good question, Mark in Regina. We never really thought that one through, did we? Well... I'm going to throw out a name, and I don't know if he's the answer. I don't even know if he's that much of an improvement. But when he had opportunities earlier this year, Matthew Schultz did not look terrible in Hamilton. You could do worse. Mm-hmm. The Riders have done worse. Before. Although I'd love him as the backup guy, because he's a guy you can throw into a game, and you know he'll at least give you a competitive opportunity to win. I don't feel like there's a lot of great options no. out there. Quarterbacking is lean these days in this league and the NFL. But some of us blame that on the fact that in the NFL, they will go after quarterbacks that they never used to. Mm-hmm. They'll go after the athletic quarterback. Yeah. Um, the NFL used to be, there, there used to be a, a horrible amount of racism in the NFL and still is, mm-hmm. but it's not at the level that it used to be. No. Gone are the days where great black quarterbacks would come to Canada because they wouldn't get a fair shot in the NFL. Does that have anything to do with the fact that we have a lean? You just said we're in a down era of quarterbacks. I think so. I think so. I th- I mean, there's not a lot of depth on any rosters. If you've got a good backup quarterback, you're, you're probably ahead of the competition these days. Because, I mean, even here, 
Let's say Cody Fajardo had a great year. Do we know Mason Fine's capable of running with it four or five, six weeks in a row if Cody's hurt? We don't know. We have no clue. And no matter what happens tomorrow, we still won't know. True. So, that's ah, a tough one. Is there a guy that you can plug and play in here that will automatically bring the offense back to life and, and put up great numbers? Maybe, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, we never thought Cody Fajardo was much of anything before 2019 either. So who's going to be our next Cody Fajardo, for lack of a better term? I don't know. (laughs) I think uh, Vernon Adams Jr., the well-traveled guy, they didn't even want him here when he was here. Chris Jones was in love with him, and I couldn't figure out why. And then when he was in Montreal, I figured it out. Mm -hmm. No, he's he's a capable backup, but is he the guy? Is he your franchise guy? I'm not sure. So we, we blame it all on it being a down era in quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, the entertainment value has not been there since the pandemic, since before the pandemic. True. And that's not just, and it's especially bad here in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that. We'd be sitting in the press room after. I'm a pretty easy guy to please mm-hmm. when it comes to Canadian football. Mm-hmm. So if you lose me, you've got big time problems. True. And when I've looked it over, Some of it's the quarterback, but I think a big part of it is all of these American coaches studying the NFL and looking at these venereal dink and dunk offenses, Mm. these short passing plays Mm -hmm. that old school coaches never did because they never worked. No. When you have three downs, you can't get three yards a pass. And, And everybody's whining and complaining that the rules need to be changed and they're falling behind the NFL, and James Duthie comes on TSN after the four games a year that he watches, <laughs> and he says to Commissioner Ambrosi, he has the gall to say, you know, the really diehard fans get so offended hmm. when you suggest it, but let's be honest, you're going to have to, it's, a, it's only a matter of time, right? No. No, it isn't. I wanted to reach through the screen and choke James Duthie. Canadian football has three downs. That's it. Done, but but the play calling is so atrocious. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, so conservative. Much like the, Same thing in the NHL. When we, coaches we, are coaching not to get fired. When you, when you look at uh, completion percentages, mm-hmm. Kent Austin, that fantastic 1992 season he had, sixty mm-hmm. percent. Ronnie Lancaster, highest completion percentage he ever had, mm-hmm. 1976. He was the West Division MOP. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I think no league MOP. Never mind. He won the league MOP. Sixty percent completion mm-hmm. percentage. Cody Fajardo is consistently racking up over 70%, and they're not scoring points, and they're not winning. So that should tell you something. It's time to take more chances to move the chains. You need more passes 10 to 20 yards down the field, and the fact that they haven't figured it out yet leads me to believe that they never will. And it's not just Jason Moss. We see that everywhere around the league. If your quarterback completes 30 passes in a game for 150 yards... Your offense isn't very interesting. That's not the Canadian Football League. You take that crap down south. Mm. We'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 6... The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time for the Bronco Plumbing and Heating Sports Ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional services guaranteed they'll treat you right. 781-2090. Lots of football coming up this weekend. It all starts tonight. The BC Lions take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That'll be a 6.30 kickoff. You can watch it on TSN right after the sports cage. Well, right after they kick us bozos out of what here. What a night. 
the U of R Rams will play tomorrow afternoon. Two o'clock start at Mosaic Stadium versus the Manitoba Bisons. Uh, the Rams gearing up for a semifinal collision course with the UBC Thunderbirds uh, that will also be played at Mosaic Stadium. And lots of exciting football all weekend because that game will be on CKRM 2. So go to the CKRM website and you can listen to the broadcast with Nolan Cowell and um, some schmuck. Some guy, I don't know. And so that'll go from 2 till 5-ish. And then we have the Ryder pregame show at 3 o'clock. And then kickoff is at 6. And then the roundtable after that, 9 hours at least. Actually, I think it works out to closer to 10 hours when they by the time it's all said and done. Longest game day coverage in the Canadian Football League right here on the flagship station, 620 CKRM. And Sunday afternoon, the Regina Thunder hopefully won't need volunteers to shovel away and chase the snow away from Mosaic Stadium in the Prairie Football Conference Championship game against the Saskatoon Hilltops. That will be a 1 o'clock start. You can get tickets at the door. Mm -hmm. And that is... The Sports Ticker, brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Brendan McGuire here on the Sports Cage, the Friday edition, along with Pete Pasco and Nick Kachmar. We're going to hear a little bit about the Grey Cup festivities coming up in a couple of weeks' time. A lot of people complaining that the rider season has put a damper on things. I think this is a good year to have a bad season. This would be a pretty miserable November mm. if we didn't have the Grey Cup here. Well, that's a good point, yeah. I mean, it's still the Grey Cup, people. Even if you have no intention or interest in the game, which is your choice, I guess, it's still going to be a great time that entire week. They finally found a, f- a halftime act, and um, I read in the paper uh-huh. that... People in the media at the media conference were shouting out different acts' names, and Craig Reynolds says, I'll confirm it's not them. I'll confirm it's not them. Not the Wiggles. Somebody yelled out sheepdogs. Mm. He did not confirm that it is not the sheepdogs. They could do worse. And they have. And the CFL is going to enlighten us any day now, I'm sure. I really hope it's not the sheepdogs. Well, After, After this wait. Shania Twain's dropping a new album. Just saying. I was there in Ottawa when they brought her out on the dog sled, and they made such a big deal out of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it was cool. It was cool, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think they could do better. I, I hate this notion that it has to be a Canadian performer. That's true. I don't necessarily agree with that either. Just get the best available act, or one that appeals to whatever demographic you happen to be targeting that week. Everybody whined and complained about the 2016 Grey Cup in Toronto. Mm-hmm. That was maybe the greatest halftime show I ever saw. One Republic. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 2005, Black Eyed Peas. They were good. I don't Justin care Bieber. He was, well, he was good if he's, you like his music. He's sort of Canadian. Yeah. He's from Stratford. We don't really consider that part of Ontario. Brenda in Saskatoon, out on the text line, wants to know, what's the status of Nathan Rourke's brother, Curtis? Uh, Curtis Rourke is a quarterback with the Ohio State Bobcats. No, not Ohio mm-hmm. State University. Some there's University of Ohio, Ohio there's University. Ohio University, yep. Ohio State. Is it Ohio University? Yeah. Okay. Ohio State's a whole different ballgame. I think he's got a couple of years before he's eligible. I believe so. But they're uh, really hyping him up like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I think he's getting a little more attention because of Nathan's mm-hmm. uh, breakout year with the BC Lions. So high hopes for. Curtis Rourke, 
probably in the Canadian Football League because imagine. they actually give you credit for being a Canadian at the quarterback position, which is way overdue. Text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Of course, you can get in on the conversation on the text line or by calling in at 306-936-6262. I notice you got a jar over there. I do. Colin Lovequist, who, of course, uh, show precedes this one, gifted me a jar of pickled beets. And... Well, Do we have a name of who dropped that off? I don't know. It was a listener, is all I know. And uh, oh, wait, you might have a name. Is there a card in there? Is there a love letter to Colin? There's a uh, oh, there's a sticky note of some sort. Let's have a look. Dun, dun, dun. That's from Mary Banga. All right. Well, thank you, Mary. I couldn't. Get, we couldn't get the lid off that one. Mary's pretty strong when she. She's Mary's obviously a powerhouse. I finally got the lid off this one. Just to confirm, it is pickled beets, and it is. I'll we have an extra one later. sitting there. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll give it away to one of our texters. Well, one <laughs> jar we can give away. The other one's coming home. Tanner's ready to do the news. Uh, we'll be back with more. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sounded like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders there. Nothing could be further Dare from the to dream. dream. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Brendan McGuire alongside Pete Pasco and Nick Ketchmer here on Hour 3 of the Sports Cage. Uh, coming up in just moments, we're going to hear a little bit more about these Grey Cup festivities. This is my first show in this corner studio. Mm. I didn't know that they ever gave us this corner studio. Fancy schmancy. Mm-hmm. Some interesting folk wandering by. I think one guy saluted us with a loaf of bread. That was a bit weird. Like just today, just while I was walking by, he raised a loaf of bread while I think you were talking. I was babbling away and you should be careful with grocery prices these days. That's probably worth a few bucks. Don't want to be waving that around. Some of the cool stuff you see in downtown Regina should not be taken for granted. (laughs) I'll have you know, I worked in a call center that was right across the street from the Empire Hotel. Oh, goodness. And I had a big window, picture window. Mm, and we see called, some things. We called it Empire Cinema. <laughs> and I got, I had to, re, I remember people were relocating and I said, uh-uh. Mm. And they agreed that I could keep my spot because it was near and dear and sacred to me. And when I had to move from that location, mm. it was devastating. Oh. That, so, uh, one of my coworkers took a photo of me packing up all my belongings oh, just no. with my head hanging oh. down. And it wasn't long after that I exited out of there because like, what, what do I want to stay here for? Yeah. The entertainment value is gone. But I'm told that they rotate this studio to the different FM stations. That's because, right. Because I believe the different radio stations staff throw bottles at each other arguing over who gets the corner studio. Mm. Or they should. Yeah, they should. Well, that's not very smart. I know what radio people get paid. Keep those bottles and cash them in. Crystal Stews is the director of rider marketing and has details on the Grey Cup Festival that we're all excited about. And I expect the buzz will grow once the autopsy begins Mm -hmm. on the Rough Rider season. She caught up with Ballsy a little bit earlier this week. We'll listen to some of that right now. Here with the director of marketing of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Crystal Stews. How are you finding your job this year, especially with the Grey Cup in town? 
Hey, Baldy. Um, great chatting with you. Um, yeah, it's been great. It's, you know, it's been it's been quite the season, but um, it's really special to be part of planning the Grey Cup this year in 2022, and we have so much in store for the 2022 Grey Cup Festival, and we're really excited to bring it to Regina this year. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Any damper on it because the team's not in it? I know everybody expects that we should be in it because we won it the last time we hosted. Any damper? Are you getting that sense? We're, you know, we're disappointed. It's not the outcome we, we anticipated. Um, but, you know, we persevere and we look forward. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, we, um, and we love the CFL for sure, man. And it is the, uh, it is the uh, lifeblood of the CFL football in the prairies here, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. So anytime the Great Cup's here, it's always a big deal. So talk about it. First, things are kicking off with Regina's own Colin James, right? Yeah, we just announced that this morning, Colin, our very own uh, born and bred in from Regina, um, eight-time Juno winning artist, Colin James. He'll be, he'll be opening and headlining the Sirius XM kickoff party on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that starts at 5 o'clock. We'll have the Great Cup trophy as well. And, um, yeah, that kicks off the festival in a, in a great way here in Regina. Now, you guys, uh, with this committee, your focus was the youth. You want to attract the youth and a younger demo. That's a smart move. How are we doing that with the Great Cup Festival and all the activities? Yes, this, great question. So this is the, the first kid-friendly festival for Great Cup um, in history. We have a ton of great events for all ages, which is nice. Um, a big focus on the festival as well has been bringing innovation and technology and attracting more youth. So we have a digital zone presented by SaskTel, which will be, we have seven different activations. We've got a VR arcade, we have photo booths, we have some interactive digital gaming um, that will be a lot of fun. And then we also have, um, for some younger ages, five to 12, we've got our SAS Power Family Fair. And throughout that, we'll have, um, we'll have drills, We'll have um, obstacle courses, inflatables, and then we also have for anyone with children under five, we've got Gainers Heartland. The whole um, the whole you know tagline and campaign for the Great Cup Festival is bring it to the heartland, and that's right here in Saskatchewan. So anyone coming to the festival with little ones, um, we have kind of a quiet space. We'll again have face painting, hair braiding, um, coloring stations. So there's there's really someone for everyone. And there's obviously for the big kids, we have the team party room, um, which will be a blast. We've got the Atlantic Schooners this year and all of the team, team rooms. Um, and of course, our favorite, Ryderville. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Ryderville is always a blast, but hopefully uh, one year we'll have the Atlantic Schooners and there'll be an actual team, but it's cool that they come to all these uh, Grey Cups for sure. And I know you've got, uh, tell me a little bit about this Gainers Hardline. What's this all about? Yeah, so um, we partnered with Tourism Saskatchewan and um, they're going to, they've created kind of like a larger than life whimsical space. Um, they'll have like life-size fairy lilies and a lot of cool activations. And what's special about it is for, for families who have little ones under five or newborns or any, any age under five, we've got, we've got a safe space and a quiet zone if you want to go feed or change the baby. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's perfect for 
you know, we have something for everyone. This festival is very kid friendly. We also have a Heartland Quest, which is a scavenger hunt that will be going on. We'll have stations positioned all around the footprint. So in our next gen energy street festival, which is outdoors, we'll have a couple of stations where people can stop by and scan a QR code. And then they'll also be able to scan a couple stations inside the real district footprint. And, um, depending on how many, how many stations they scan and visit, they can get some prizing, which is great. And one of the, one of the stations I know for sure will be the fast power tube slide. It's a 30 foot tube slide. We are, we're getting specially built for the Greg festival. And, uh, that is, that's going to be a really fun attraction. Okay. Two more things to get to here. Uh, the one cool thing about this is everything is in one location under one roof for the most part, at least in one area. So once you get there, you're there. It's great. You got it. And um, we've also partnered with um, the city of Regina and the transit uh, shuttle service. Thanks to our, our partners at Regina Hotel Association. We are the first Greyhook Post Festival City to ever offer completely free shuttle service to the uh, footprint. So you're right. Everything is all under one site this, this year. And um, we're just looking for convenient ways to get people down to the festival um, we have a ton of free events, which is great. I mentioned the SAS Power Family Fair, the Digital Zone presented by SASTEL, and um, and the SiriusXM kickoff party. The kickoff party with Colin James and the Grey Cup Trophy. That's all ages, and it's completely free. So we have a we have a lot of fun stuff, and um, definitely need to you know for those. For those 19 and over, stopping in at the Atlantic Schooners to get a lobster roll is a must. All right, you can check things out at greatcupfestival.ca, but it's cool. You can get the Grey Cup app and keep track of everything, right? Yeah. you. Um, we highly encourage everyone to download the app because we'll be sharing live updates all throughout the festival week, and you can get everything there. You can purchase tickets. You can purchase Grey Cup Festival merchandise. You can purchase... Um, you know, any event tickets and um, you can also map out your route on Sophia Transit um, on the app. It's, it's the best way to stay connected during the festival week and um, it's user friendly for Apple and Android devices. And we will have free Wi-Fi as well during the festival, so it won't eat up anyone's data. Okay, uh, Crystal Stews, are you the halftime show? You're playing a ukulele at halftime? Is that what it is? <laughs> I can't give away my secret, Ballsy. Oh, can't give away my secret. I thought I could crack it here. Anyway, <laughs> thanks. Tuned. Yeah, Stay yeah, tuned. I know. I heard it's coming next week. That's good. Thanks for your time. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Good job. No problem. Talk to you soon. Crystal Stews confirming she will not be the halftime entertainment at Grey Cup 2022. I had that at the top of my list. Oh, well. That interview on the Western Pizza Hotline brought to you by Western Pizza. No time to cook. Order Western Pizza. It's a perfect meal that fits your hectic summer schedule. Have you been to all three previous Grey Cups in Regina, Pete? Let me think. 95? 95, yeah, I worked that one. one. That That was interesting. That was one that was almost postponed by wind. But the event was amazing. Oh, so much fun. We have never recaptured the magic and never will recapture the magic of the first. It's only one first time. Huddle up in Saskatchewan. I still have a Grey Cup 95 jacket that my dad wore on the farm for years. Mm. And now he has been gracious enough in his old age to cough it up and give it back. My kid's not getting my swag. Nope. Mm -mm. But did you, you, do you remember 2003? Not as well. I know I was there, which is sad. 
That was a great party that week. I mm-hmm. remember Danny McManus showed up. Hmm. And well, if there's a party, he Andy pulled, Mack will be around. He pulled. He, he was still quarterbacking at the time, mm-hmm. and that was the year Hamilton went one in seventeen. And Guess who they got the one against? <laughs> yeah, I remember that as well. With the backward lateral that was fumbled, and uh, didn't Andrew Green have the ball at one point? Like you don't want Andrew Green carrying the ball, and Andrew Green's a, a fine gentleman, but he was an offensive lineman. Not a good move. You remember uh, Halsey in Edmonton, Brian Hall? Mm-hmm. Of he's, course. He's got to be clicking close to 100. Ooh. And I remember he, he would do predictions every week, and that was the year Hamilton was so bad. And he said, no team in the Canadian Football League has ever gone winless through an 18-game schedule. Hmm. These guys might. Saskatchewan's going to win. And he was wrong. Oops. Danny Mack shows up in Regina, and he pulled his cap on his hat over his eyes and drank about a million beer and hmm. let his hair out and it was cool oh, typical night out for Dan- no uh, it was cool i mean the, the cfl where else i mean are you gonna party with tom brady during the super bowl week of course not but here sure absolutely these guys show up they're they're part of the community i think that this event will go well enough that it will mask the problems that the league has in attracting New Canadians. Mm. Like, I've been to a lot of Grey Cup festivals. And part of the problem is that everybody... I'm one of the youngest people there. Oh. And that's a problem. Oh, yeah. Because I'm on the wrong side of 40 as of Wednesday. Hmm. Well, coming up Wednesday or this past Wednesday? Wednesday. Oh, belated. Happy birthday. No, you're right. I mean... uh, they're stand to literally lose a generation of fans unless they do something. And they're trying. I, I mean, to be fair, they're trying to attract younger fans. But I don't know, it just hasn't been a real success yet. But are you not surprised that they don't seem to work a little bit harder at getting the new Canadian? Because Absolutely. Can, you know, like, like, why don't the BC Lions have a night where their jerseys are lettered in Punjab mm-hmm. or Chinese? Yep. Why don't the Toronto Argonauts do the same thing? Sure. There's a whole constituents of new Canadians that are just waiting to be asked. And especially if you're the Toronto Argos, it's not like giving away a few seats to these folks you're trying to attract will hurt you because nobody's buying them anyway. So why not go to these community groups, appeal to these communities and say, hey, come watch a game. Here's some tickets. Maybe you'll like it. Stick around. Partner up with the Canadian Cricket Association. That's what they need to do. Well, yeah. That sport's booming. So these are issues that are going to come to the forefront, but just not this year, not this weekend. No. So. We don't want Randy to have too much to think about. The Sports Cage is presented by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. We'll be back to wrap here on the Almighty Six Forever 306. This is Saskatchewan's favorite talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Sports Cage is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brendan McGuire and Pete Pasco and Nick Katchmar. I almost forgot your name, Pete. Yeah, many have. Finishing up the Friday edition of the show. Triple header coming up tomorrow in the CFL. That would usually be a really exciting event. <laughs> usually. Last weekend, I was really hoping and praying mm-hmm. that the riders would pull it out. Of course. And I was really, and, and I try not to be partisan when I'm in the um, press box. Because mm-hmm. again, I was raised 
um, in the media world. No sharing in the, the press media box. World. Ever, ever, ever. And I was schooled by the great Jeff Courier, who mm-hmm. was very different from most broadcasters. He was all about, don't get caught up in all that stuff. Just tell it for what's happening. Yep. And don't get attached. Just have fun at the story. And mm-hmm. I try to do that. But I wanted the Riders to win because I wanted the games to be meaningful mm-hmm. this weekend. I was really excited about the different combinations. And it couldn't have gone worse. No. And it's funny how the whole thing has come full circle. And it was actually a tweet from Daniela Ponticelli mm-hmm. that mentioned, isn't it really eerie that the turning point for the Rough Riders season was that Ottawa game? Yes, it was. And that moment in time might have cost Garrett Marino, mm-hmm. um, Paul Apolise, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Mazzoli, mm-hmm. can't forget about him, Craig Dickinson, yep. Cody Fajardo. Yep. And maybe others, their jobs, just from that one game. And it's almost like they hurt each other while hurting themselves. It's I feel like the Rough Riders and the Red Blacks have this really weird connection. Hmm. They're like two strangers who met at a bar on a Saturday night Whoa. and and have been texting and calling each other ever since. And it's become an abusive, destructive relationship because the Red Blacks losing that game eliminated their playoff chances and they eliminated or helped eliminate the Rough Riders. Just that like sounds, that sounds like a terrible bar. I wouldn't want to go there. No, but you're right though. I mean they've they've basically done each other in. Wouldn't it be wild if Paul Lapolis was the next offensive coordinator here? Just saying. Do you think too many people are buying into these Mark Mueller rumors? I think a lot of people are hoping that there's something to those rumors, and maybe maybe Mark has gotten to the point where he's ready to be an offensive coordinator in the CFL. Coming home, I believe his girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure if they are married, but anyway, she's from here. Of course, Mark's from here. He's got long roots in this community, being Ron Lancaster's grandson will do that for a guy. I think he will be a CFL offensive coordinator at some point. I just don't know if it'll be here, and I just don't know if it should be here because that's a lot of pressure for a hometown guy. That's what I was just going to ask you about. But the other thing that we nobody seems to have figured out yet is where does Cody Fajardo land? I think most of us just about universally agree it's not going to be here. Nope. Um, I could see him in Calgary, especially if Bo Levi Mitchell leaves in the offseason for here or anywhere. What's wrong with Edmonton? <laughs> well, they have a head coach who doesn't think Cody throws the ball very well, but they also have an offensive coordinator who was at least partly responsible for Cody's best year in the CFL. So maybe that is a match. That's my point. They need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. They seem to think that Taylor Cornelius is the answer. I'm convinced Taylor Cornelius is not the answer. Trey Ford, Mm. maybe. Haven't seen enough out of him yet. True. But for all the nice things that Cody Fajardo did for Saskatchewan, Mm -hmm. we will always, always be thankful to him for sassing Chris Jones <laughs> because of the horrendous indignity that Coach Jones unleashed on us, mm-hmm. turning all of us down for the Cleveland Browns. <sighs> Good point. I mean, if it was a defensive coordinator position in the NFL, okay, cool. Head coach, obviously, go make a lot of money. But to be a defensive consultant who didn't really have any power at all, meh. And was a complete nobody. Yep. And probably made a lot less money down there than he did here. I would, yeah, I would wager because I mean he was uh, he was not doing too badly with the, all the many hats he wore here. 
do you get the sense that this rebuild in Edmonton that he's trying to pull off is not going as smoothly as the two rebuilds that were very successful in Edmonton and here in Saskatchewan? Well, in each case, he had one really bad year when he first got there, and then things got better real quick. I don't see Edmonton being that team next year. They've got some nice pieces. The receiver Mitchell and uh, the running back Brown, yeah, you can you can definitely start with those and, and go somewhere. But I think they're still way far behind the rest of the West right now. Do you believe any of the rumors that Jason Shivers will leave and Richie Hall will come back? Mm. No. No, I don't. I, I, I also don't think Jason Shivers is the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. Just because you don't promote assistant coaches to be the head coach on a losing team. No other reason. That's that. true. And Otherwise, I mean, some he's in guys the conversation. are great yeah. coordinators, <clears throat> Paul LaPolice, but they don't do so well at the next position because the next position is about a lot more than just coaching football. Uh, I'm talking about the head coach, obviously. Uh, there's a lot more going on than just coaching football, and some guys thrive in it, some guys don't. Some are suggesting he wants to go to Edmonton and be with Chris Jones again. Oh. I can't figure out for the life of me why Jason Shivers mm. would want to step back into the shadow of Chris Jones. Oh. When you want to go out, carve your own identity. Like, I, like okay, if he wants to leave, mm-hmm. you want to be a defensive coordinator anywhere mm-hmm. but with Chris Jones. Well, that's the thing. That's your last option. Isn't it? When Jones was here and Shivers was was working under him, everyone knew it was Chris Jones's defense. Everyone knew every personnel decision was Chris Jones's. So, yeah, you're basically, I don't know, the coaching equivalent of a clipboard holder at that point. Jason Shivers has since then grown into a very competent defensive coordinator. So, yeah, you want to keep moving forward, not backwards. I think it'd be good for the league if Cody went to Edmonton, though. Be interesting. I would spice up the rivalry a little bit. Would be interesting. A little more of that abusive relationship, love hate I was talking about between Cody and Chris Jones. Whatever that happened to the great friction. You need great a little bit of friction. angry rivalries in sports. They're gone. We've lost all that. Yeah. With all this inclusivity. And, well, even me coaching yeah. high school football. I'm like, hey, we're playing our rivals this week, guys. Yeah, let's get them. Are you like Coach Chavaria on uh, Friday Night Tykes? You go and you put your helmet in his ear. No, he can't even coach that way anymore. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about that. I'm a little bit sad. But I miss the rivalries. I miss that very much because everyone's buddies on social media. And I don't know. I think that diminishes the game a little bit. I almost missed a text. Oh, good save. Gary in BC writes, Bo Levi will be a rider and will do for now. But we need to follow Huff in Calgary and develop the next franchise QB in Saskatchewan. Well, Gary in BC, we don't disagree with any of that. That's easier said than done. That'll do it for another edition of the Sports Cage. This one presented by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. This has been fun. Yes, absolutely. In the corner studio. On behalf of Nick Katchmer, Pete Pasco, this is Brendan McGuire saying thanks for listening and good night from Regina. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.